Hello and welcome back to the Plutarch Project podcast. I'm your host, Josh Niebert, and today I'm here to talk to you about something of the utmost importance. It's something you use every day, sometimes in uh, naughty ways, you filthy rascals. It's what separates us from other animals, it shapes our thoughts and our reality, and it has had the power to alter the hearts and minds of just about everyone who has ever lived. Today's topic is language. Now, I know what a few of you out there are thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all about language. I use it all the time. What can this cat teach me about it? Well, hopefully by the end of today's podcast, you'll have an entirely new way of thinking about this integral part of your life. Before we start, though, it's important to note that this podcast is for anyone interested in the humanities. This includes experts and beginners alike. I try to keep a healthy medium in terms of the language that I use. This podcast will have some jargon. For those extra keen folks out there, I hope you don't mind me breaking down a few terms for folks that are still on their journey toward mastery. So let's go way back in time and see where things all began. About 150,000 years ago, early Homo sapiens roamed through East Africa. About 70,000 years ago, they began successfully migrating outside of Africa. From 70,000 to 30,000 years ago, early humans began making specialized tools such as boats, lamps, weapons, and even began creating social inventions, things like commerce, religion, and social hierarchy based upon these abstract ideas. All of this was possible due to the growth of cognitive abilities and early forms of language. Although other animals can communicate, humans have the ability to transform a limited amount of sounds to an infinite number of stratified ideas. As far as we can tell, it's only humans that can manipulate their communication style to discuss abstract ideas and things that don't even exist at all. This seems a little strange, but think about it. How often do you think your dog has talked to other dogs about, you know, Harry Potter, the latest season of Game of Thrones, or the intricacies of international politics? This ability to use our language has been one of the biggest social bonds we as a species have shared throughout time. It allows large numbers of people to believe in a common worldview and to cooperate in incredibly large numbers. As Yuval Noah Harari puts it in their book, Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, language allows, quote, large numbers of strangers to cooperate successfully by believing in common myths, unquote. Without language, these myths and ideas would never be able to exist. Each culture, nation, family, team, basically wherever groups of humans come together, the ability to use and manipulate language, even that funky body language we use when we're traveling to other countries, binds us together in a magical way. We'll come back to the idea of common social myths in a little, but let's take a look at what language is. We're going to jump ahead a few thousand years to the late 19th and early 20th century. Ferdinand de Saussure is the man, linguistics and semiotics is the plan. For those of you unfamiliar with these terms, linguistics is the study of language and involves an analysis of language form, language meaning, and language in context. The earliest linguist was from the 6th century India. His name was Panini, and he was a grammarian studying Sanskrit. Now, semiotics is the study of meaning-making, the study of sign processes, semiosis, and meaningful communication. Uh, 
A subset of semiotics is semiosis. This is concerned with how utterances of sound connect themselves with concepts that we use to have meaning. Today we'll be focusing on language through the semiotic lens. There are tons of ways to look at language, but semiotics is a great place to start. We'll be primarily using Ferdinand de Saussure's work as a semiotician and linguist to think about how language is assigned meaning. If you're interested in him, shoot me an email and I'll be happy to send you some reference materials. You might be wondering, this podcast is supposed to be about language, not some dude from Switzerland. And you're absolutely right. Let's take off our clothes and jump right in, shall we? In the period leading up to Saussure and his developments in linguistics, uh, linguistics had already gradually begun shifting to become more scientific. During previous eras, up until the 1700s, people took a fanciful approach towards understanding language. In the late 1700s, analysts of language had not approached the structure and development of language in a scientific way. Of course, grammar was understood and explained well. This had been relatively unchanged going back to ancient times. Do you recall the sophists and the Roman idea of the trivium in the last episode? This line of thinking was carried on for a very large portion of human history. But, to be honest, there was very little understanding of how a language actually worked in the real world. What the rules that languages operated by, the ways in which languages are related to each other, and can be traced back to their reconstructable, unrecorded, ancestral spoken languages. Things like this just hadn't been studied yet. These just weren't even options for people. People would often make up etymologies, etymologies being the origins or the start of a word, for words that were totally made up and not based on any evidence. But they did make for some good stories. You might think, But we've been using language forever! How could we not know how it works? Much like a lot of the technology we use today, we probably don't fully comprehend how it works. We can push buttons, swipe screens, maybe even conceptualize how cell networks function. But for most of us, how things work might as well be magic. Uh, just aside for a moment, a big shout out to all the folks out there who do know and keep everything running. You're all the real MVPs. This shift in how language was studied and thought about came after an English scholar and British judge living in India by the name of William Jones had a sudden realization. His realization was that the ancient language of India, Sanskrit, was closely related to ancient Greek and Latin. He proposed that they must all have some unrecorded common ancestor, a kind of proto-Indo-European language. This realization would later go on to set the foundation for historical linguistics which, by the time of Saussure, had solidified itself as a form of scientific study. Early in the 1900s, Saussure changed the course of scientific linguistics by moving away from the historical linguistics set forth by Jones, and he began analyzing how language functions. Saussure analyzed language from its most basic levels, even down to the most basic of sounds function. One notable aspect was that of sound oppositions. This is what oral language sprung from, the voice sounds of vocal cords vibrating in opposition to the unvoiced sounds in which the vocal cords are not vibrating. Uh, now, some examples of this are the T sound, the T, 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 which is unvoiced, and the D sound, D, 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 being voiced. Note, the mouth and tongue are roughly in the same position, but the vocal cords are vibrating in the D sound and not in the T sound. This study of oppositions 
led to the understanding that all sound variations in language that create meaning are based on oppositions in how they are articulated. This kind of analysis works all the way through grammar, an easy example being the oppositions between the present forms and the past forms of verbs. Both express different time distinctions in opposition of each other. The present only has my meaning by being in opposition to the future and the past. Saussure emphasized that language is at its core a system of signs. It is a system that incorporates the sense of hearing, seeing, speaking, and writing systems. It's important to let you guys know that writing would be considered a secondary sign system. Writing consists of visual and recorded sets of signs. These signs duplicate by representing the original sign system of language, which existed for many millennia before writing was ever thought about being used. We'll talk about writing a little bit more in the next podcast, so we're going to set this aside for the time being, okay? So now that we have all that information, a valid question to ask is, well, what in the heck is language? Is it communication between members of a species? Is it a bunch of weird sounds and scribbles we cast out into the world? To explore this topic, we're going to start out with a bit of an experiment. I'm going to say a few words, and I want you to think about the image that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Here we go. Bushi. Popoki. Bidi. Paka. Neko. Gato. You might have guessed the word if you're a speaker of any of these previous languages. If not, the word in English is cat. Meow. This simple experiment shows one of the most vital parts of language. Quote, Language only exists within a group or community of people who adhere to certain sounds as signs for something other than sound. Unquote. 